this, the fourth, the fifth, the minor fall and the major lift, the baffled king composing hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Hello and welcome to Bard Talk on July 1st, Canada Day. I'm your host Josh, and this is not a Canada Day special episode because who cares about our hat? Oh, hey oh, no, just kidding. Love all my Canadian friends. Um, so today I'm going to be talking about some of the things that have been going on within the Black Lives Matter mu- movement and also just life in general because there's been this weird influx of unnecessary distraction honestly or I you know what I wouldn't call it unnecessary distraction it's probably for the better in the long run but it just seems like it's done in a way to like make people stand out or emphasize them in a time that maybe they're not receiving the attention they feel they're owed I don't know we're gonna talk about it and we're gonna we're gonna delve into the mindset behind it and my opinion and your opinion, you know, hopefully, you reach out to me via Twitter or Instagram, or I don't care how you talk to me, just reach out and talk to me. But um, I want to talk about the more positive things that are going on right now. Um, <clears throat> you know, I, I had that podcast solely focused on Black Lives Matter and the problems that have been going on in America for centuries regarding people of color. And... Um, you know, when I had that talk with my friend, um, and they were like, well, I, I just don't know that anything's really going to change. And I said, you know, you got to have hope. You got to, you got to, you got to have hope that people can grow, that our country can grow, that collectively people can grow. And so there are some things being born out of this that are very positive. Um, the LA Times recently reported that the city council has unanimously voted to create a uh, unarmed community response program consisting of members of the community trained to deal with a v- bunch of issues. I think it's going to be aimed at um, mental health, but they're basically going to respond in place of police officers for nonviolent things. So they, I haven't gotten a good definition of what a nonviolent call would be, but I would kind of assume it's probably talking about like noise complaints, um, neighbor disputes that don't involve weapons or threats of violence, uh, maybe parking tickets, things of that nature where really having a uniformed armed police officer is unnecessary and only like amps up the energy and leads to the potential for something to actually happen which is you know it's funny we're not talking about that i haven't yet hear anybody i haven't at this point in time july 1st heard anybody talking about the um what happens the psychology of introducing uniformed authority into a situation that doesn't necessarily call for it and how people's fight or flight responses react to having an armed presence Um, because I think there is some psychology to that I think when 
a uniformed police officer shows up for a call that really doesn't warrant it. Like, you know, we'll, we'll use noise complaint. So people are shooting off fireworks and drinking and celebrating and getting rowdy. And you're trying to go to sleep because you work the next day. So you call the cops. The cops show up and, you know, you have two or three cars with flashing lights or one or two cars with flashing lights and two stern gentlemen and or, or women. I mean, police doesn't have a gender quota, but in, in all honesty, you know what I'm trying to get at here. You know, two police officers show up. They got their hands resting on their gun belts and they're like, what's the deal here? You know, that kind of armed confrontation can make people nervous you know say some of those people were drinking and or or even you know what using recreation drugs or whatever it is like everything gets heightened because you've had a minuscule violation of some county ordinance or city ordinance and now all of a sudden you're getting an armed threat response to it and and people react differently to it i'm not saying it's right or wrong i'm not saying like oh when the cops show up like you should come out guns blazing dear god no but there certainly is a psychology to an overreaction when when you have the cops show up it evokes something I, in all honesty i think for most people it probably evokes a sense of fear i don't know anybody that sees the cops randomly show up to their door and they're happy about it um you know, and, and who's to blame for that? Well, obviously, it's the lawmakers. The lawmakers and the communities themselves who've decided that, you know, we have to make an ordinance because Timmy plays his drums too loud on the Friday nights and, you know, we're just trying to get up in the morning when we want to and, like, some of us have to work third shift. And, like, you know, why are you calling the cops for that? We, we have not had any conversation about how we've done this to ourselves how we have burdened the police force with laws that are absolutely unenforceable and we expect them to show up and have a pleasant demeanor and always do the right thing and and be superheroes you know inhuman superheroes and an ability to respond to anything and fix the situation when in reality what what so your neighbors are shooting off fireworks and scaring your dogs give your dogs go to the vet tell your vet that your dog has firework anxiety they will prescribe medicine for it and bada bing bada boom you know what i mean put them in a nice safe place if you don't crate your dog ask yourself why um put them in a room that's quiet make a safe space for them make a cave dogs are very primal creatures make a cave for them knock them out with some medicine and you know deal with it instead of calling the police instead of adding uh, an element of danger because in honesty when the police show up they bring guns and there's always that that opportunistic person who can try to snatch one of those guns and the whole thing gets escalated so as a community we need to do better too we need to be the ones that are willing to police ourselves a little and i think that's probably the next conversation that's going to start popping up is like you know okay well we we are actively defunding the police um as i go down this list of things large reforms that are happening the goals that campaign zero put out are being met with with some amount of success which is all a good thing but the next part of this conversation is going to be well what now 
because people who were so inclined to call the police for things that really should have never been a police matter could have just been handled with a, a conversation, uh, a little social socialization on their part. Now, you know, what are you going to see? Are, are all communities going to have the resources to, to put forth a, an unarmed community response like this? I don't know. I can hear people rolling their eye about the dog thing and saying like, well, that's very classist of you. Many people don't have the money to take their pets to the vet to get anxiety medicine. And well, I, I could be sassy and say if you don't have the money to take your animal to a vet to ensure that their mental health is taken care of, you're not really taking care of that animal. And if you don't have the money to properly take care of that animal, maybe you shouldn't have that animal. But that's also a very classist thing. I get it. You know, some people have animals and they don't do the greatest job. And, you know, we should get better at that. But a lot of communities are not going to have the money for an unarmed response force in addition to their armed response force. I mean, I, I live in rural America. And while we have no problem paying a police, uh, uh, I, I guess I would call it a regionalized police department at this point because... It's not like most of Pennsylvania has a police department for every stupid little borough and township that exists. Um, we have some regionalization in my area, which is, you know, mitigated some cost. In all honesty, <laughs> having sat in the budget meetings, this one cost us more money. But I don't want to get into that. You know, that's why there's a rivalry between the fire department and the police department. It really just boils down to money, like any good natural American cause. But the point that I was trying to make is these things, these reforms are good. They're, they're a good, good step in the right direction, and they're happening. Real change is being made and is happening. Um, and I think this is a wonderful, beautiful step, and I want to see this become a more national thing where we have response forces. I, I've, I truly do believe that when we have an emergency involving somebody who's having a mental health crisis, the introduction of a firearm via police officer or neighbor isn't going to help matters. So having an unarmed, um, trained community policing force that can respond and help with those things, I think is, is beautiful. I'm, I'm all for it. Um, the other thing that has kind of gripped the police conversation and the, the unions are fighting it hard um, is a national standard for the police department. So a national standard would set up a training requirement, uh, JPRs, job performance requirements, um, as well as like national policy. Uh, for the most part, and, and I, the LA Times kind of pissed me off because you'd think they'd know better. I mean, right in the heart of California. I, I cannot think of a paper that would lean more towards being a, a woke news source. But they were saying that, you know, uh, chokeholds are, are being banned. Chokeholds, first of all, in L.A., chokeholds have been banned since 1982. So F off with that. But nationally, chokeholds are frowned upon. And if not banned, like not taught, like chokeholds are something that like us as primates just do instinctively. We know that our necks and our faces are vulnerable. I mean, if you look at primates attack people, they chew their faces off, they, they rip out their neck. Like, it's, it's kind of one of those evolution things that, that are going on there. But 
they've been largely ignored and they've been largely ignored because the police can get away with certain things based off of some other things that are also starting to take a turn which i'm going to get into but this national standard for policing would standardize or put a federal standard on police officer training conduct and it would certainly put in place certain SOP SOGs that would require all uniform police officers to sign off and understand and abide by and I think there is merit to that um, in the fire service our national standard is called the NFPA um, the NFPA is not a governing council it's a recommended standard so in other words a bunch of smart people and people with money and large fire departments pull their knowledge resources together and they put out a standard and they say okay this makes a lot of sense we've tested these things and we found them to work so you should probably use this but if you don't there's no penalty for it uh, I don't know that the police officers have that. I'm not a trained police officers, but I would imagine having a national standard would be a good step in the right direction. Uh, it would move towards less uh, freelancing and you wouldn't get those departments like uh, Pasco County um, or that one in, I think it was Arizona. There was a sheriff down there who would like put his prisoners out in the desert in pink uniforms like having a national standard uh, at least a guideline of which everybody could reference for good policing is is a good move it's a good thing um and with that they're also going after hard right now the whole qualified immunity and if you don't understand what qualified immunity is i'm going to use this as a moment to pimp campaign zero you need to go over to joincampaignzero.org. You need to look at their website. You need to see all of the policies they lay out because this is one of them. And qualified immunity has been the single driving um, plank that police officers have used to get out of misconduct. Basically, uh, their police unions argue that the, whatever the police officer did, right or wrong, they were acting in the scope of their profession as signed off by the municipality they're serving so they're basically saying like oh well i was hired by township x and they entrust me with a gun and a chokehold to do their bidding and so that's all i was doing i was just following orders and you know then you go and sue the township or city or whatever and that in itself suing the government very difficult but it releases the civil liability of the officer it releases the ability of people wronged by that individual officer to go after them now you may ask why the hell is this even allowed why is this on the books i asked that too i also wonder like you know we hear i've heard multiple times in this time frame well nobody hates a bad police officer more than a good police officer if there truly were more good than bad apples in the uniform ranks, this wouldn't be a thing. Because any good police officer would want hellfire and civil ability to rain down on the bad officers to make sure that they never, ever are allowed to be police officers again. And that they, they pay for their crimes, both financially and, you know, with prison sentences. And yet, they're arguing against this. Uh, the the Pasco County Sheriff's Department has launched an entire counter whatever suit to block this legislation like it, it's it's disgusting honestly I don't know how 
any profession can have this kind of waiver. Oh, it's just following orders. I'm not going to mention what that harkens to, but for reals. Um, and the other thing, the the creation, I think it's it's a bill that's in Congress now. And they're going to vote on it, and it looks like it has some traction. But basically, it's to create a National Police Department Misconduct Registry. So if any police officers are... Um, I guess brought up on arbitration or if they have a case in which they've they have misconduct and internal affairs rules it to be a just complaint they're going to be removed from law enforcement placed on a national registry and never be allowed to get hired again this has to be one of the single biggest issues in the whole movement in 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 the fact that we these police officers that end up killing people are known bad apples now if we truly truly hate the bad apples I'm looking at all my good cops and asking what the F yo like these guys a lot of them get hired back because of their union contracts and if they don't get hired back in the police department that they're you know restricted from or put on leave for they go to another police department and they get hired so they maintain the the credentials they maintain the authority even though they have a track record of abusing said authority hopefully this piece of legislation would end that that would put them on a registry and that would say no you don't know how to act when given authority now you go make burgers or you know flip flip fries i don't care what the phrase is <laughs> i really bumbled that Whatever colloquially the worst thing you can imagine doing, you go do that because you cannot be trusted with the authority granted to a peace officer, which is what they are supposed to be. So good quality reforms being made. Again, I, my, my enduring free commercial to Campaign Zero. If you haven't gone over to Campaign Zero, check them out. Join CampaignZero.org. Look at all of these points. They do, if you join up, if you, if you donate some money and you join the campaign, they send you emails um, almost daily. Not too frequently that it's annoying, but frequently enough when things happen. And they let you know what's, what's going on, what, what parts of the movement are gaining traction, and where things are going. Um, it's all good stuff. What they don't talk about is some of the more socio uh, or social like kind of reforms which I want to talk about briefly here um, and and it goes back to my friend who said you know I don't think in a week anybody will remember this happening well unlike all of the previous demonstrations and riots and protests that have gone on something miraculous is happening and that something is the large and sweeping corporate acceptance of the black lives matter movement and i say that i say that because like in in many of the recent uh, the, the recent but not you know past protests a lot of corporations kind of like mouthed support but didn't really actually support it um and some corporations had no problem like openly condemning if you went back 10 years and we talked about the mike brown case or we talked about the um the well you know what name your case because honestly it, th there's been too many to, to really recap but the riots were like universally condemned 
the rioting, the destruction of property, people just universally shot it down as bad stuff, bad juju, and the corporations distanced themselves, and American flags were everywhere, and there was this big call to like push back with patriotism. And now you're not seeing that. Now all of a sudden, you know, these corporations are embracing Black Lives Matter. They are embracing the reforms that a lot of the protesting has done. People, of course, are upset about the rioting, but it's kind of not the majority anymore. Like, I think enough people have finally gotten to the point where they're like, you know, I don't, I don't see the peaceful protest have never made a dent in reforms. They haven't gotten anywhere. So the, the destruction of property seems to be the next elevation of it. And while, I, you know, nobody wants to see anybody get hurt, there is this kind of like acceptance that it almost has to happen. I really don't know if that's the right word, but I do know that corporations latching on to Black Lives Matter has meaning. It has purpose. It shows that the acceptance for the movement has finally broken that glass ceiling. You know, uh, a lot of lot of corporate sponsors, a lot of companies are rushing in a time like, you know, I guess still in the midst of the COVID pandemic. <laughs> I guess, yeah, we're still dealing with that, too. Um, and a resurgence of it, no less, but it's, it's a tough time financially. And yet these big companies are making efforts and strides to put the black lives matter movement in their company header to donate money to them. Um, uh, black lives matter reports like almost a 1000% increase in donated funds. And a lot of it's coming from big companies. So the change is happening. Meaningful change is happening. We're moving in the right direction, I think. Um, I, it is inevitably becoming more politicized. Uh, they're making this an election issue. They're making this a red-blue issue, which, for shame, you know, I think for shame on both sides on this one because, of course, uh, Black Lives Matter movement is... They're not a political organization, but a lot of their chapters are hardcore or um, kind of, I don't know what the word is, like promoting certain candidates. And there's a lot of colloquial knowledge that like you have to vote Democrat, which I mean, I don't get into my politics on here. I don't consider um, the, the lives of people political. You know, I am very much in favor of the advancement for people of color. I'm very much in favor of LGBTQ plus advancement. I mean, I don't see them as political issues. They're people. They're living, breathing organisms, organisms that add immense value to their communities, to my life, to everybody's life. And to boil them down to some red versus blue party argument is ridiculous to me. So I don't find what I'm doing political. I think people are probably laughing and saying, well, no, you're very political. But I don't I don't see how you can see that. I, I, I don't understand the argument for it being political. I see an argument for it being human rights. And I will always fall on the side of human rights. Um, but as the elections ramp up, you know, so so will these things. So it's going to get a little bit bitter and drawn out and. It's going to be part of the movement that I probably distance myself from because 
I think I owe everybody a podcast talking about my personal politics, but I'm not ready for it yet. I don't want this to be a political podcast, and I think when everybody hears my viewpoints on politics, I'm just going to be ostracized anyways. So I'll leave it like that. Um, But what I do want to get into is this really weird sidestep, um, unhelpful, like, cancel culture infringement into this whole movement. So if you've been living under a rock, many celebrities, for no reason, nobody's asked them, nobody's really talked about it, have decided that the spotlight has not shone brightly enough in their corner of the world, and they have inserted themselves into the conversation. If you don't know what I'm talking about, a recent announcement by Jenny Slate was that she will no longer be playing Missy on Big Mouth. If you haven't watched Big Mouth, for shame, it has got to be the funniest thing I have ever seen in my entire life. It is an animated show about the coming-of-age difficulties of entering puberty, which I guess as a millennial wildly appeals to me because the only thing we like doing more than dodging carbs on the deck of some fancy boat or drinking crisp uh, designer beers, it's nostalgia. And since we can't seem to get over anything in our life, thanks 9-11, Um, We seem to reminisce about puberty often. And, um, yeah, the show's great. Jenny Slate plays a uh, mixed-race little girl who had, I think, a great character arc, did wonderful amounts of justice to mixed-race life. They honored, I think, all of the tenets of being black. They never made being black a joke, for sure. But uh, Jenny Slate has announced she's no longer going to voice it. Um, She said that far too often Hollywood gives voiceover roles or roles in general to people who, white people, um, for roles of people of color. And she wants to not inhibit that. So she's stepping down. Now, I think on its face, that's great. Uh, She's not wrong for sure. Uh, Hollywood has a notorious history of blackface, of flat-out cultural appropriation, um, and it's not always done in comedic jest. Uh, Missy's character wasn't... The joke was never that she was black. The jokes were never about her culture. The jokes were about her dealing with life as a 12-year-old girl, a 14-year-old girl, somewhere there and abouts. Um, but that's not all of Hollywood. Hollywood has done some really awful things. Judy Garland once dressed up as a character, I believe, called Maddie um, and did blackface. And the joke was, you know, the, what black people do. They just mocked black culture, uh, southern black culture. Um, I, we all know Jimmy Fallon is run a skew of that. Um, the other Jimmy Jerkoff, whom I'm not even going to mention because... The fact that he goes after people and cries on his show repetitively about meaningless things is enough to get him canceled. But the guy made his way to fame on The Man Show. 
he made his way to fame being an outrageous like shock jock comic who poked fun at the intricacies of certain movements that he now like righteously defends i i don't feel bad for him uh he's gone in hiding now because all of his dirty laundry is getting aired in front of the world but i think there's a difference there's a big difference between when somebody um goes out of their way to mock a culture and not the person like i'll take jimmy fallon's stance on this jimmy fallon did blackface and pretended to be chris rock eddie murphy one of the two and he was mocking specifically mocking that person he wasn't mocking all black people but he was specifically mocking that person um i think it was probably done with love but he's getting a lot of heat for it now rightfully so because you know it's wrong it hasn't always been done with love actors and actresses who did blackface or yellowface or i mean let's talk about the red face um it they do that and then they assume these roles uh i don't think a better example could be uh the recent a remake of the lone star ranger and Johnny Depp played a Native American. And of course his argument was like, oh, I, I'm like, you know, a certain percentage. F off. F off. <laughs> what you did to that character was criminal and you should be in jail. I'm not a big Lone Ranger fan. But I watched like the first 15 minutes of it and was like, damn, that's offensive. Um, that, that kind of, that, that's what I'm talking about. Like there is some really egregious offensive roles in hollywood the disability community how many times do you see people in wheelchairs or in crutches or something like that you know people who play roles with ms or whatever and they're not disabled and there's plenty of disabled actors that would love those roles i mean i'm i feel like i'm talking in circles but like my point to this is there is a point to jenny slate's comment that roles belong to people who best represent them. Jenny Slate is, um, I believe, Jewish and something else, uh, maybe Hispanic. I'm not sure. Not black, for sure. She played a cartoon character who was. She did it with honor. She did it with grace and integrity. And the joke was never about black culture. The joke was always about what a mixed race child goes through and maybe she's not the best actress to represent that but it was a good show with a good platform and it had a good message um jenna marbles has recently announced that she's going to for now quit doing youtube now this is probably a deeper cut i think some people most people probably know jenna marbles her days on vine her early days on youtube with her dog the, the reason she's called jenna marbles is her chihuahua her various other pets um she just does like a weekly youtube show or i don't even know if there was a schedule but she was a youtube star she was one of those early adopters of the platform monetized herself on it created a whole career based off of it and she's done some unsavory things um but unlike the vast majority of youtube star influencers whatever the hell you want to call them she has apologized repeatedly said i did things in a less than humble way and i'm sorry 
and she demonetized those videos and she would move on and she would go make new content um she was always always very true to herself she was always very true to her fans she was always a very nice lady i i didn't really watch her content much uh she wasn't my cup of tea but she put out a 10 minute 11 minute long video explaining all of the awful things she's done and how she's going to stop doing YouTube altogether now because she's just, you know, not in it. And she feels like she's done so much harm that she can't ever recover. And it's like, whoa, 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 whoa. Here's what's harmful about this. Here's what I don't like. And then I am not personally attacking Jenna Marbles. I think she's a wonderful individual. Um, just because I didn't watch her with, irregularity, with regularity doesn't mean that I had a problem with her. I do have a problem, I guess, to some extent, I feel like she just did more disservice because nobody was talking about her. Nobody was saying, oh, Jenna Slate, who's apologized repeatedly for doing unsavory things in the past, is the real reason George Floyd was strangled to death in Minneapolis. Like, she had a platform. All of these people have platforms. You know, Jenny Slate, Jenna Marbles, Hank Azaria, Mike Henry, they all have huge platforms. People listen to them. They have celebrity status. And instead of taking their platforms and using them to promote certain things, instead of using her character to really delve into life as a mixed-race child of color in a pretty white neighborhood, if we're honest with ourselves, they're stepping back. They're stepping down. They made the focus about them. They said, well, I, I'm doing this. I'm not going to make this content anymore because I did a bad thing. Look at the bad things I did. Eugenia Marbles is kind of universally beloved by women, I don't know, 14 to 34. And she apologized repeatedly. And she could have used her show to promote Black Lives Matter. She could have used her show to to kind of give heat to, to give a voice to some people she could have done interviews she could have done anything she wanted with her channel because it literally was a variety channel where she did whatever she wanted and instead of taking the negative things she did in her life and making them a positive she just made it about herself and bowed out and so a lot of people are kind of left with like oh well i really enjoyed this and it's gone now and did Black Lives Matter do this? Is are all of these protests and all of these changes is are they ruining my favorite shows? You know, Mike Henry, who's played Cleveland on the Family Guy show recently announced that he's no longer going to play Cleveland because he feels that that role should go to a black man. A hundred percent right. I think what, 12, 12 years too late, though, buddy. No, 12. Holy crap. 18 years too late didn't family guy premiere like 98 or something 22 years too late i'll figure this out sooner or later i'm sorry oh the joys of working night shift my point is you can't do something for 22 years and then go uh i did a bad thing and now i'm not going to do it at all and not use that platform that gave you all of that status for 22 years to turn it into a good thing. You had a moment. 
you had a moment where you could say, look, I'm going to play this character for one more year and I'm going to push for these episodes. Then I'm going to work with black creators to make an episode for Cleveland that justifies who he is and the struggles that he goes through. Jenna Marbles could have used her platform to uplift the movement. Uh, Jenny Slate had a great platform that she could have really pushed these issues and maybe had a transition. Um, the other big one on the table is Hank Azaria. Hank Azaria has played a poo since the 80s. Yeah, I don't even, I'm not doing the math on that. But uh, he recently announced that he's no longer going to play a poo. Was a poo offensive character on The Simpsons? Yeah, if you don't know what The Simpsons are or who a poo is, I'm not explaining it. Um, and what's it like under that rock? I think The Simpsons are probably one of the most well-known shows in the world. They have made a pledge to become more ethically diverse, more uh, diverse in their cast. All great things. Use it. I'm all about these shows and these actors and actresses using their platform to help. What feels a little disingenuine is them making the spotlight more about them. I don't think for a second Hank Azaria really played Indian face. I don't think it's akin to him dressing up like he's from, you know, any of the, the Indian continent. I don't know the region specifically and mocking their culture. Was Apu a, a, a not savory character? I think early on, yeah. I think it was a joke uh, played out, the whole Quickie Mart thing. Um, is it offensive? I mean... Probably, yeah. I think a lot of things in comedy are offensive. I think comedy is offensive to a, a large degree. But, you know, I don't think Hank Azaria did so trying to hurt people. And I don't think that there weren't episodes where he didn't do justice to what it's like being an Indian person living in America. I almost said Indian American, but I feel like that's kind of, ugh. um, and they, you know, instead of stepping down or not playing that character anymore, he was given an opportunity where, you know, let's push to make Apu's character a more meaningful character. Let's push to make that something positive for people of color. And instead he's going to step down and he's going to trust the network to recast it for somebody willing to do that role justice. And maybe, you know, maybe that is the right move. Maybe having Jenny Slate step aside and allowing Missy's character to be played by an actual woman of color will do the show good. I don't know. I'm not here to just say like, oh, well, I'm upset because all my favorite characters are going away. I'm not, I mean, I'm upset because I think they, in some cases, they did them justice. I think Hank Azaria and Apu are the worst example of of character defamation and making the joke about a whole culture. But I also know that a show that has spanned three decades has had wide ranging episodes where they both did an injustice and a justice to people of color. I think that Big Mouth has always handled that situation gracefully. And I think that Jenna Marbles has apologized enough. She didn't need to go away. I think it detracts. It, it takes some of that spotlight on real issues. 
you know, we I, I shouldn't be spending 20 minutes talking about people who are upset because they did a bad thing. I should be talking this whole thing about the qualified immunity going away or, you know, military grade weapons and armor and, and instruments of war being brought to the streets going away. That's the meat of these issues. Tearing down statues and, and you know, banning the Confederate flag, those are great things. Awesome things. But barring a hurricane and a statue falling on somebody, no statue has kneeled on somebody's neck for nine minutes and is out there walking the streets. I feel like the razor focus we need on these issues to get these things done is being lost. And these people who have really no need to step forward and say, I did a bad thing, look at me, are doing that. It's just, it's like a distraction. And I want to see the reforms that are meaningful get done. I want to see this this registry, this National PD Misconduct Registry, I want to see that happen. I want to see them get rid of qualified immunity. I want to see a ban on chokeholds nationally that carries weight to it. I want to see military weapons get removed from the police force. Those are the issues that I think matter. Those are the things that Campaign Zero has laid out. If you go to their website, there's nothing in there about removing Jenny Slate from Big Mouth because blackface. I'm not saying it's not important. I feel like people are going to mad at me and they're going to say like, well, how can you not see that you're not a person of color, that you're missing the mark here, bro. And maybe I am. I will totally, um, absolutely acknowledge that. But I just feel like it's the detractor. I feel like it's 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 like shaking the keys on the side to get you to stop looking at the goal. And the goal should be these reforms. It's why I talked about them for at first. It's why uh, they're they're important to me. Um, you know, I don't see how this helps. Maybe that's what I should boil everything down to. I don't see how Jenny Marbles or Jenna Marbles not making videos on YouTube helps. I don't see how Jenny Slate maybe maybe that's maybe that's different because she's not she's making room for some person of color to get a part in Hollywood. And Hollywood, although it pretends to be this bastion of wokeness, really isn't. I mean, we've seen multiple Academy Awards where it's pretty much your plain Jane vanilla people winning vanilla awards um for movies nobody's seen i don't know i don't watch the golden globes or any of that nonsense because none of the movies i care about are ever gonna win you know i like superhero movies did endgame win anything i don't know i didn't watch but i'm sure they weren't talked about it i'm sure some obscure movie i've never heard about won an award who cares you know, I, I'm not immensely drenched in Hollywood culture. I just found these stories kind of interesting. I wanted to give my take on it. I'm willing to accept that my take is wrong. I'm willing to accept that my viewpoint um, is invalid and that this is all very meaningful. And I'd love some discussion about it. I'd love to hear somebody say like, well, this is why this means something to me. This is what I would like to see. 
you know, yeah, let's worry about defunding the police, but let's also, like, you know, let's cast this net broadly and let's get rid of the blackface in Hollywood that still continues to go on behind the guise of cartoons. And is, you know, is blackface behind the guise of cartoons worse or less vehement as it was when people actually painted their face? I, maybe there's an argument for that. You know, I, I would like to see Hollywood cast people for appropriate roles. I don't know that it's as important as seeing the police department have a national uh, training standard. I don't know that it's as important as seeing these reforms take hold nationally um, and not just regionally, not just, you know, Seattle and L.A. adopting them. I want to see it in my area. I want to I, I want to see this. The SWAT tanks go away. The striker units. I you know, why don't we put more money in the things that matter? You know, invest in the hazmat team, invest in the bomb squad. I mean, that's that right there. The bomb squad has to be one of the most valuable things any police department can offer. Let's do that. I want to see more of these unarmed um, community response officers. I don't want to hear about, well, I have a YouTube channel and one time I made a rap video and I said ching chong and now like I'm ending it because I feel bad. You had a platform. You could have used it for good, and instead of that, you just made it about you, and you closed your platform down. At the end of the day, that seems what it, it, that's what it appears to me. And you just detracted from the conversation. You didn't add anything. So I don't know. I'm not going to beat up. Love Jenny. I love Jenny Slate. I love Jenna Marbles. Um, Hank Azaria has entertained me for three decades. And... I like Cleveland's character, and I really hope that he is recast as a black guy, and I hope that character becomes better. Um, I, I just didn't care, you know, about Hank Henry or Mike Henry coming out. Like, it just detracted from me. So that's all I got this week. Um, working on some other things coming up. Steph has agreed to come back on the podcast. We're probably going to talk about some uh, wild uh, LGBTQ issues, um, probably laugh a lot. I have just about completed the software upgrade, um, more or less learning it, reading the manual and trying to figure out how to work. I hope the quality is getting better. I hope I'm louder and you're enjoying everything. I hope everybody's staying safe. Uh, I haven't really talked about COVID in a while. I know a lot of states are seeing a resurgence, but... I don't know what to say. Um, I can only focus so much of my energies in so many directions. And to be honest with you, uh, I have two very big things coming up I'm trying to get handled. And uh, in addition to that, uh, I have just um, other projects. I'm going to actually be taking a, a really big course for firefighting. So I'm going to be really busy uh, with homework and things of that nature. So I, it's kind of like my attentions can only go so many places. Uh, it's not that COVID's not important, but you know, I, I only got so much, so many pennies in my mental, my mental bank. And right now they're going elsewhere. So thank you again for everybody who listens. Uh, again, if you disagree with my opinion, if you think I'm full of bunk, if you would really like to argue why these actors and actresses doing this right now is meaningful and does help the cause, 
I'd love to be proven wrong. Hell, I'd just love to interact with anybody. So give my socials uh, that I link in the description. Go join Campaign Zero. Look at their website. Get the updates. Uh, read about you know community policing and the reforms they're pushing for. And, you know, I'll see you again next week. Have a good week. Stay safe. Well, your faith was strong when you needed proof. You saw her bathing on the roof. Her beauty and the moonlight overthrew you. She tied you to her kitchen chair. She broke your throne and cut your hair. And from your lips she drew a hallelujah. 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 But love is not a victory march It's a cold and it's a broken Hallelujah 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 Hallelujah.